This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 66. And I uh, was just, I'm just arriving back from Laravel Conference, also known as Laracon, Lacaron? in Chicago. Lacaron, L- I Laracaron. heard it was called Lacaron, like the like the French pastries. Apparently, there was a typo on the back of the badge. That's oh really? Lac- yeah, there was a there was a Lacaron. <laughs> I think the Laracon US Twitter account was throwing some shade at Amanda Folson about it as well. Uh, so it was good fun. No, I did not see that. I did not see that. Oh, well, yeah, Laracon 2018. So just got back a couple of days ago and uh, Michael asked me to record last night and I was like, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. I'm still recovering from from Laracon. Uh, the last night I was up until 2 a.m. So mm-hmm. no, 2.30. Well, so, that'd be a standard night for you, my... wouldn't it? With your, your youngest, oh, doesn't man. he keep you up that late? Oh, um, no, he just gets up in the middle of the night. You know, he doesn't stay up that late. He just gets up at, at that time <laughs> yeah. of night. So it's like I've already had a couple hours of sleep in by the time he wakes up. You know? Yeah, that's right. So anyway, yes, I'm still mm. recovering, but uh, we're going to make this happen. All right, let's jump right into the news here. We will talk about Laracon last. Uh, let's catch up on a couple of things that we um, that have kind of happened since our, since our last recording. So the first one that we're looking at is Shocker. Another package from Marcel Possier. Am I saying his name right, by the way? I think I am. I think that's that's pretty close. Marcel Potsiot. 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 And the thing is, like, it, you look at it and you, you think it's French, but he's not. So Yeah. <laughs> there he is. We'll, we'll, put the, we'll put the link into the show notes for his interview on the, on the Laravel podcast with Matt Stauffer. He goes into that in a little bit more detail. But... Uh, yeah, he's. We talked about this last episode. He's very, very active in our community at the moment, which is really good for the community, obviously. Yeah, and so this new package that he's got is called the Laravel Query Detector, and what it does is it detects n plus one queries when your application is in debug mode. So, Michael, for those who may be new to this sort of terminology, can you maybe explain in, uh, you know, kind of if you've ever been on that Reddit thread, like, uh, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old or explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old? Maybe you can yeah. do us the yeah. favor of explaining an N plus one query like I'm a five-year-old. Yeah. So, I think, let, let's say the easiest thing would be if you had a list of users in your application. So, if you've got your admin panel up and you've got a list of all of the users and for each of the users you want to show say i don't know their the number of posts that they've made on on the site you would list through each of the users and then as you iterate over each of the users you would also fetch the number of posts that they've made so for each user you are making another query and this is where the n plus one comes in so you've got the initial query select star from users and then for each user you make another query that goes off and uh and finds the the count of the post so you're making two two queries there basically one to get the all of the users and then one to get the information about that user so this is where we get the n n plus one query so where where laravel is quite powerful is that allows you to do something like uh, with your eloquent models user colon colon with posts and then what that will do is it will find all of the users and then it'll run a second query that does like a where in and it'll find all of the posts where the user id corresponds to all of the users that you've returned so you're only running two queries instead of n plus one queries. yeah because if and you can imagine how this could get quite slow especially if you have a large number of users right so the n referring to the number of resources that you're iterating over and then the plus one is you know you're going to end up with a hundred one 101 queries what you'd end up with if you had 100 users so this can be really uh, detrimental to the performance of your application so what marcel has created here is a detector that will um pop up it it, what it does is it will um do a javascript alert when you're in debug mode so again probably only when you're in local development that's going to notify you when you have an n plus one query it's going to say hey we found the following n plus one query in your request and then it'll list out what relationship you should eager load that it found so in addition to that, you can actually modify the configuration 
to log this instead of hitting it up as a uh, as a JavaScript alert. And I'm guessing uh, it looks like in the notes here it says uh, configuration package configuration may change in the future, and it looks like it's in a pre-release at the time of the writing here. So I'm guessing that they may do something like a Slack alert or something like that in the future, so that you can get more immediate notification mm-hmm. of these or instead of bugging users doing a JavaScript alert, which would never be a good thing. Uh, and maybe you don't catch something that goes straight into your log. So yeah, it uh, looks like a pretty nice package. Thank you, Marcel, for putting that in there. And uh, hopefully that will help kind of, uh, I think I'm definitely going to turn this on in our stuff. I've actually had a couple times, this is bad, where the junior dev was like, you know, it will, we'll worry about it when it becomes a problem. Like it's a problem <laughs> right now. We're at the problem right now. Yeah. Like if you yeah. ever have an N plus one yeah. query, you fix that now, not in the future, immediately. Because by the time yeah. you realize it, it's too late, right? You should not you should not wait for especially if it's something you know you can fix. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's a preventable Correct. thing. You might ask the the one thing that that you <clears throat> might think to yourself is I'm using uh the the debug bar by Barry van der Hoevel. And you would think, you know, if I'm using that, why why would I want this separate package? Well, that kind of sits as a little bar at the bottom of your browser in development mode. And you may not necessarily notice that there's a number of like 400 queries there. So a JavaScript alert is a little bit more obnoxious and a little bit more in your face. So if you're not, you know, if you're someone that might miss, like me, the, the debug bar notification yeah. or the, the little thing there that says you've got 140 queries, then a JavaScript pop-up may be a, a more uh, intrusive way of getting your attention yeah. about it. And look, it's not a bad thing in development. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right, we've also got this query builder. So this is a Spassi package. And uh, actually, this is one of the ones, one of the packages that TJ Miller um, mentioned in his talk, Building APIs with Laravel. Uh, Michael, have you ever gotten a chance to use this package? I haven't, but I uh, I certainly like what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, how many times have you ever had this happen or have you ever had a request come in from a user that's like, hey, you know what? We'd really like to be able to filter this particular collection of resources by this, right? We only want to see the ones that are after this date or between these two dates, or we only want to see it for new users, or we only want to see it for users that were created, you know, after the acquisition, or we only want to see it for et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so that can be a little bit painful. And um, also there's no, I mean, you can just continue to string on where's, right? But like it could also mm-hmm. be something like you have to do when, you know, in your query builder, you'd have to say like when filter is provided or yep. whatever, or when created after is provided, then tack on this filter. And then when this is provided, tack on this filter. And when this is provided, tack on this filter. And it just gets a little bit verbose and, and kind of annoying, really. Yeah. So what this does is it kind of helps to standardize all of that, however you'd want to do that. It gives you a standard way that you would submit uh, filters through. And then gives you a standard way to apply those filters to your query builder. One of the things that I really like about it as well is it can use your existing scopes. And so like if you had a something like starts before or created after or something like that, if you already have a scope like that, you can add that into the list of allowed filters. And then on the end of your query string, mm-hmm. you just query string, you just put question mark filter starts before equals, and then you pass in the date. So it makes filtering your queries extremely simple and gives you you know just like how we like in laravel sometimes it's like there's 500 different ways to solve the same problem sometimes it's really nice when something just comes along and says hey you know what this is a really common sense way to do it and this is just how you should do it every time it just eliminates the the uh, logic that you have to walk through to kind of make sure you don't forget anything uh, and just kind of gives you a standard standard Mm -hmm you know, method to do this. So uh, I would definitely... Well, not, not only that, but it means that you don't have to re-implement it every single yeah, time. Exactly. Because, yeah. you know, most of your applications will at one point or another need to have filtering logic in it. So why why build that filtering functionality yourself each time when you can just pull in a package that does it all Agreed. for you? Agreed. So this looks really good. I'll definitely be using this uh, moving forward. And of course, uh, as always, this is a free plugin by Spotsy. So thank you so much for providing that. Got some time to hang out with Freik this uh, this this last week, which was really fun. I haven't ever really gotten to spend a good deal of time with him. So it was like we hung out for probably the first night and then we shared a cab ride both days. So we got to spend some time together. It was pretty cool. As nice. I knew, he was a really nice guy. But of course, you, you know, 
when you get to see him in person, it's just like, oh yeah, he actually is a really nice guy. I mean, we all know that, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> all righty. Anyway, let's get back to it. Okay. So what else we got? New outer array functions coming to PHP 7.3. Michael, maybe you could talk a little bit about these for us here. Yeah. So Paul has been uh, writing some posts about upcoming PHP features. Obviously, Laravel is the core of what we talk about, but we're obviously also building atop the language. So PHP has been really pushing things along in terms of development and new features and things like that. There is some things that get in that are a bit weird and we wonder, you know, where are our arrow functions? Right, exactly. <laughs> I digress. So this one here introduces two new array functions for working with the outer keys of an array. And the RFC proposal included four new functions for both keys and values, but for whatever reason, uh, and if you want to look it up, the link will be on the show notes so you can go and check out the RFC. Only the array key functions were accepted. The other, the value ones were declined for some reason or another. So basically with these functions, array key first and array key last, it allows you to basically grab the first and last key from any given array just by passing it into this function. So if you had an array, uh, a key value pair of A is one, B is two, C is three, if you called array key first on that array, you would get A for the first key and you would get for array key last, C for the, the last key. So I'm not terribly sure where one might get this functionality or use this functionality, but um, yeah, it's there there in the language if if that's something that you need in your code. Yeah, I've ever used like head and last. Is it head and last? Is that what it is? Or is that... Is that yeah. a Laravel thing? But they, I mean, they advance, yeah, they advance the the pointer on the array as opposed to just getting the last value. So I suppose this is going to shortcut doing like a, where you might previously do like an array pop uh-huh. or, a or shift something array like that. Pop. Or you'd have to pass it, yeah, yeah, array shift, array pop or something like that to get the, fir- the first and last mm-hmm. values. Yeah, I mean, if you've got any use cases, certainly reach out to us, but I can't think of anything obvious off the top of my head. Oh, that's really. what it is, reset sets the internal pointer of an array to its first mm. element. So if you had to call reset, but yeah, again, like you said, that resets the pointer. So if you were somewhere else and you needed to get the first key, you'd have to reset the uh, value in order to do that. Reset the pointer in order to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it is interesting that they rejected the other twos, the the values. I don't know why. I mean, I suppose they probably think, hey, if you can get the key, then you can just pass in that key to the, you know, into brackets in the array and get the value. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Okay. There's that. All right, we've got another couple of packages here, and then we're going to talk about Laracon a little bit. So let's hit, we've got, let me see, one, two, three more packages. Okay, let's talk about the count models with the Laravel visits package. So this is interesting. This is actually a problem I've had to solve before. I had a page where we were essentially tracking, this is before, what's that law? Is it GDPR? Yeah, yeah. the one where you can't track anything without like being super, 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 super explicit kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was before yeah. that, but but I had to do this. So uh, let me just kind of read the description here. So Laravel visits as a package by Bader Alamutiari. All right, hold on, let me try here again. Bader Alamutiari. Bader Alamutari. Alamutari. Okay. Um, people. Yeah. Okay. So by the way, I will say that people made jokes at Laracon about my terrible pronunciations of people's <laughs> names. Oh my word! It's getting bad. It's getting out that I can't read foreign names. Someone brought this up on Twitter after our last episode. Yeah, I saw They're that. impressed that I just come in like full of confidence that whatever pronunciation I come out yeah. with is the true <laughs> and correct one. And we just roll yeah, with that. So. Okay, so it's a package by this guy for attaching counters to any model to track visits with tags. So here's some of the features. Uh, a model item can have many types of recorded visits. So you could have, uh, for instance, you could say, hey, this was a read visit versus this was a watch visit versus this was a repeated visit or something like that. Also, it's not limited to a single type of model, so you can attach this to any model. It records per visitors and not by visit. So it uses IP detecting. So even mm-hmm. with a refresh visit, it won't duplicate that visit right? Because it records per visitor. So this can be changed from the config as well. You can get the top or lowest visits per model. You can get most visitors countries because it also tracks countries. And then you can get visits per a period, like a month of, of a year or an item or model. 
So uh, essentially, I had to do this because we were very interested in, in figuring out this stuff, right? We wanted to know what country people were visiting from, what type of visit it was, whether it was a watch, whether it was a read, whether it was a... I'm trying to remember the other one was. I don't remember what it was. But we, we needed to detect all of these things. And as well, we needed to record by visitor and not by visit. So this was interesting as I was reading through this. So essentially what it does is it just allows you to say visits and then you pass in the model and then you say increment or you can say increment 10 or you can say decrement or whatever. And then you can also Mm -hmm. um, set a time limit. So you can say, hey, only increment this if it's been more than 30 seconds since the last time they visited. So you can say visits post seconds 30 increment so that will say basically almost does like a rate limit right so it says wait 30 seconds before incrementing this view this uh this thing again and then uh, as well uh, as that gives you the ability to do quick queries uh, against these particular models uh, and then also pass in like a period of time so for the day how many times has this has this post been visited or uh, for the last month how many times has this post been visited etc essentially you can also do the countries you can do the referrers of visitors so i'm guessing that means like you could have a user that would refer somebody else or actually no let's see here referrals would probably be the previous site that they were coming from right i'm guessing that's what that means yeah or the previous link. Right. So the geo data for the country functionality is provided through a, a package called Laravel GeoIP. Integrates with uh, with Eloquent and all that good stuff. So, and I believe this is going to live in its own table, right? So it's nothing you have to add on to the current tables that you have in mm-hmm. existence. It would just add. Uh, it would just probably be like a little pivot table that's going to sit out there. Yep. Uh, and uh, handle collecting this data for you. So it seems really interesting. If that's something that you've nice. had to do before, as I have, you might uh, use this. Or if if it doesn't include everything that you need, you might use at least a fork of this to get you on a really good start uh, to making this stuff happen. Yeah, so it looks really cool. Thanks so much, Bader. Appreciate it. All right. Back to <laughs> here is yet another. We're gonna, are we going to get tired of saying this? I think Marcel seems to have, and, and Freik has confirmed this, Marcel has more dedication to pumping these packages out than even Frank wow. does. So here's another one from Marcel Posiot called Laravel View X-Ray, which is a package for Laravel 5.6 that enables you to peek into your Laravel views and find out which template matches a specific part of the HTML output. So essentially what this does in your uh, development environment is that it allows you to basically, uh, it's got a keyboard shortcut that allows you to basically pop up an overlay on your page and it will show you for each section on that page which view is being rendered. So if you think of like a traditional kind of page layout using Blade, you would have a layout template. So you would have an at extend section and then you might have an at section for the header, an at section for the content, an at section for the footer. And within that, you might loop over, you know, you might have templates for a list of users or a login form or something like that. This will put basically boxes around each of those sections on the page and then show you, you know, what view it is. So again, we'll go back to debug bar. That will show you what views are being rendered on the page, but it doesn't give you any context. It just says, you know, these five or six or seven different views are being used. This package will allow you to visually see which views are being used and where right in the browser. Yeah. I thought I saw something. I thought he he put something up about this being used to do sort of like visual diffs or something like that, uh, using like Dusk and and this package together or yeah, something little, like that. A I little while remember. ago, yeah. But in any case, it's super helpful because it is sometimes it can be difficult depending on how nested your views are to be able to see exactly which piece you need to be able to go target to go look at uh, to modify some yeah. piece. Especially if it's something that you're coming into after being gone out of that project for a while. I know in some of our things, depending on how mm-hmm. heavily you rely on Blade, you'll have some views that are nested, you know, maybe three, sometimes even four levels deep. Sometimes maybe more. I, not that I'm not, not in my projects, but possibly uh, some people could have that. Uh, so this is really helpful to just be able to quickly give a, uh, give a look at your, your page and be able to figure out quickly mm-hmm. what, what section you need to edit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. We've also got this package. It's called Laravel Handlers. So this is by Ilya Sakovich. There you go. How's that? Not too bad. That one yeah. was all right. Uh, so this is for creating single action request handlers. So uh, the idea of a request handler is a single action controller which means that a unique class handles each request. So let's talk about single action controllers here for a minute. 
Typically in Laravel, the way that you structure your application and kind of is encouraged to do stories, or the way that it's encouraged to be done is around this idea of resources. So let's go with very typical example users. So you have a user model, but that you're also going to have a user's controller. And inside that controller, you're going to have rest actions, right? Something like index, show, create, edit, update and destroy or delete. Uh, so those are kind of your rest actions that are going to be represented as methods in that controller. However, there may be some controllers that you don't need all those rest actions. And in those cases, you may uh, have something like a single method. So in your routes file, you mm -hmm. could define that saying something like route get, and then you could give it a pattern that would be matched. Maybe something like, I don't know, we're just going to say slash test for now. And then instead of having the controller name and at symbol and then the method, what you can do is you can create a special controller that only has a single method called invoke. And what you can do in those cases is in the in the uh, routes file, you can just pass in the name of the controller, excluding any of the at sign and then the method name because it knows that if all it has is an invoke action, that it will just execute that action as soon as it comes through. Yeah. So essentially, uh, what they're talking about in this specific package is creating these single action, and they're not calling them controllers, they're calling them request handlers. So this request, uh, it's a, a request comes in and it gets handled by this single action controller, okay? So you can create these controllers with this package calling make handler and then naming that handle. Uh, so you'd call something like show profile. So they talk about the ability as well to be able to make a resource action, which would end up creating one, two, three, four, five, six, something like that, different single action controllers essentially. Now, I don't know exactly why you yeah. would want to do that. Uh, I suppose if you have a really complex, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why you'd want to do that. If you had a lot of private methods and something in one and it was getting really messy, maybe you'd want to split it into yeah. multiple single action controllers. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't I don't think this really fits in the general paradigm of the Laravel framework. There is like another... So traditionally, Laravel is kind of a an MVC, so a model view controller framework, whereas this request handler stuff is more more like the ADR panel, which is the action domain responder, which I suppose the these request handlers would be the action component of that, if I understand it correctly. I certainly wouldn't break it down. Like I wouldn't have separate handlers for each of those RESTful methods. I would personally just stick with the, the resource controller. I have in the past used single action controllers, however, and they're, they're kind of handy when you've got, for example, my blog that I've got, I have... The, the show post is is a is a public part of a public controller so there I've got a single show post controller which just has an invoke method in it because all of the the actual crud operations so the create the update the delete all of that stuff lives in a different namespace in sort of an admin namespace so I've separated them so the, the public side is just in its own controller and I mean before you might use single action controllers for static pages but now that we've got route view in um in laravel i probably wouldn't even do it for that really unless you were unless you had like a static page controller which you passed in some parameter in the in the url and then it would do some lookup and return a view but i think the the use cases personally for me for single action controllers are, are few and far between like i certainly wouldn't break it up in the way that this package certainly allows you to do but not something that yeah. I think I would do It also do is helpful if you have something that kind of falls outside of one of the rest verbs. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe some people would argue, well, no, that's actually, you should probably try and bring that underneath the rest verbs, you know, and like fit it into one of those rest verbs. That's that's another yeah. kind of argument or topic, uh, I suppose. However, I like the idea that you had there basically of you have an admin side of things where you're going to have an admin view, an admin edit, an admin create, an admin, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you're only going to have on the public side of things, you're only going to have a show method, maybe an index method, right? So I like the idea yeah. Of, yeah. of using that. I've got a couple of spots where we could use that. But uh, essentially, at the end of the day, what you could think of is, is this is essentially a new artisan command that allows you to make single action controllers. I mean, you could probably call it that. But yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, unless you are fully embracing that ADR pattern, which I think this is trying to serve, I would I would probably stick to the the resourceful controllers as much as possible, just just for 
I guess, consistency. And you're going to find more people are using that across more projects. So if you're ever jumping between projects, if you're helping out open source, if you're moving from one client to another client or one job to another job, you are more than likely going to be going into a Laravel project that has got resourceful controllers rather than uh, this single action controller yeah, approach. Yeah, it sounds like in reading through some of his explanation. Yeah, so it seems like he kind of gives a comparison here and says, hey, these are the reasons that I think this is advantageous as compared with traditional controllers in Laravel. So he says single responsibility. Didn't Uncle Bob talk about Ooh, this man. at Laracon? Uncle I, Bob I saw some tweets about this. Laracon was a little bit of a... Ooh, I heard boy. it was a bit touchy. I don't really want to get too much touchy. into it just because I know there's going to be people who fall on both sides <laughs> okay. of this. And I, uh, as much as we can, I try and keep this non, what's the best word, political? <laughs> not controversial. <laughs> not, not controversial. Um, Are you so, offensive to Jake? Are you trying to keep everyone happy? <sighs> for this podcast, I am. If you'd like my personal okay. opinion, feel free to hit me up on Twitter and I, I, might, I will probably give it to you. Um, yeah, it was a bit touchy though. It was a bit touchy. He was really freaking hilarious, though. He was really entertaining. Well, that's something. Very fun to listen to. I thought he was he was a great speaker. But yeah. Well, he's been doing this for a while. Yes, he has. Yes, he has indeed. Should I talk about it? What do you think? Should no, I get my we'll, opinion we'll skip on. We'll skip on. We'll wait until... Because, I mean, there were 800 people that saw that talk. But let's wait until the, the videos are published. And then it's easier for everyone to have a fair say, I think. Okay, that's fair. That's a good That's a good point. Okay, so the advantages that this person is citing in comparison with traditional Laravel controllers or resourceful controllers, he says single responsibility. Okay, testability. You won't need to resolve dependencies that are not related to the action you're testing. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't tend to have a bunch of crap in my constructor anyway, and I'm just usually doing, usually doing like an outside in test, right? It's sort of like a... Uh, and to end sort of test, we're doing these, right? Yeah, yeah. feature test. Yeah. Thanks. I just had like this post. So I don't really have to resolve. It just, it resolves them for me. The test does. Yep. So. And so, and then he says registering of routes is prettier. That's opinion, I suppose. But sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. I guess, I guess in this, you know, we've in the, in the post on Laravel news, which we'll link up in the show notes for everyone to read. Basically, the single action controller is beneficial to understand and it tends to be used for actions that don't match one of the rest verbs, which you know you, you and I have both spoken about already. I think that's a pretty good metric for when you might use it. Yeah. One place I used it recently was uh, uploading some files to Vimeo. So I just had like a Vimeo upload controller that just had a, a single invoke method and it just took a, a file model and dealt with it from there. Like th- there are specific use cases. I mean, I could have just had a Vimeo file controller that had a, a store, but it gets a bit wishy-washy for me because I'm not actually creating that in my application. I'm sending that off to a to an API. So it has its uses. But as I said, I would for the sake of you know staying on the on the convention path of of Laravel, just yeah, resource controllers. Gotcha. Sweet. Um, all right, let's see what else we got here. We are down. That's it. That's pretty much everything. I will say I've been looking through these community links and it looks like there's some really interesting ones out there. Uh, TDD implementing of a finite state machine, Robert, Roberto Galia. Let's see on the Laravel podcast. They interviewed Nuno Madero. How you like that one? I think it was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That was, good. Uh, that was a good, that was a good interview. They talk about... Facial detection in your Laravel PHP application. What was the other one I was looking at? I did at read here? that one. That was interesting. Simple and persistent Boolean settings per per user. Yeah, they got a bunch of good stuff out here. So, yeah, I, I would definitely check this out. Check. I mean, head to head to Laravel News and go look at the community links. There's just a lot of really mm. good stuff out there. And so, I'm probably going to stay up after this is done and, and keep reading on that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, last thing we're going to go on the list here is uh, Nova. Laravel Nova, as well as Laracon 2018. So you were not there, obviously, unfortunately. There was a lot of people who said hi, who wanted me to tell you hi. So this is me telling you hi from all the people. I did hear that. Uh, thank you to to those of you who, who did send their hellos. I was awake with my sometimes crying, sometimes sleeping son, just <laughs> casually perusing the hashtag Laracon uh, or the Laracon hashtag on Twitter, just keeping up and trying to see what what was going. Hey, just while we're talking about it, I think it was Chris 
Was his name Chris Forrest? Chris Forrest. Chris Florence, yep, Florence, Florence? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We will link it up in the show notes. He did a, a real good job using uh, Jigsaw, and yeah, uh, I think he pu- published it to Netlify. Um, he did a, a basically a live blog, which was a, a use case that I think Matt Stauffer retweeted. He said he hadn't really thought of using Jigsaw as a as a live blog. So we'll put that in the show notes, which has got some good recaps from what I saw as I skimmed yeah, through really of, of each of the talks. So, um, and and you and I spoke about this previously, where I think it might have been on our other 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 podcast where that kind of stuff is really good for providing context around the talks. But I suppose you know once you've seen them, you'll you'll get that context anyway. But for anyone yeah. that that saw snippets on on Twitter from various folks that were tweeting throughout the day, this this might give you a little bit more context around that as well. Yeah, especially yeah. if you've seen the slides, you might get the context as well. Yep. So we'll we'll link that up in the show notes, but. Thank you very much to Chris for for doing that this year. I was hoping someone would take over my live broadcast from the from the venue this year. So yeah, very he much appreciated by by a whole lot of people all around the world who who didn't get the chance to attend. And obviously, without the live stream, because it's it's just one extra bit of stress, I think, for Taylor to worry about on the day with with live streams not working and things like that. It's it's not something you want to have to have to push through so the videos will be available uh in the next few weeks so keep an eye out uh, i'm sure you'll see that on twitter you'll hear about it from laravel news at some stage yeah yep let's see here i'm going to walk through high level overview real quickly some of my highlights i think let me think what did adam i'm trying to even think what adam did here resisted complexity i'm sure it was good yeah, it yeah, was. yeah 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 he talked about some really great stuff he talked about um pushing side work to event listeners, breaking up God objects, uh, uncovering new concepts, talked about just using functions instead of using like a whole different class. There was a lot of really good stuff. Honestly, most of it is is com- going to be completely lost trying to talk about it in the podcast without having to watch the show or without having watched yeah. the, uh, the you know, video <laughs> of it, the show. We'll call it the show. Uh, so yeah, yeah, check it out. Freik did uh, a talk on his media library package which was really good. And uh, if you haven't used it, I would highly suggest looking at that. It's super cool. Some of the things that I that I took away that are really interesting that I'm doing in other applications manually. Um, number one, you can get a collection of a bunch of different objects that you have attached using Media Library and you can deliver them all in a zip to a user. So you can just tell it, hey, zip up all these, uh, these uh, different mm. objects and deliver them as a single payload, which again, I'm doing manually. But the other thing that's crazy about it is you can do that even from different disks. So you can say, go ah. grab these five files from S3, go grab these two files from local, go, that, go grab these two files from over here, and it'll zip them all up together without using any local disk space and send them, stream them down to your user. That's handy. I wonder if I can use that for stuff that I have. I have models in the database that do reference stuff that is on S3. I wonder if I can retrofit that because I need to download some stuff from S3 which and put it into a zip file and give it to a client <laughs> yeah that's that's what i'm doing right now with it too is like i'm, I'm doing it with s3 I, I was like zip, this zip stream package that i'm using but heck man just use this yeah yeah i'm gonna check that out yep also the other thing that was like blow your mind awesome was responsive images so you can generate responsive images think what's that one image service that people use uh cloudinary yep so where you upload it and it, re- it creates all the responsive images and whatever. So what his code does is it will it will grab an, the image that you upload, the original image, and then it'll downsize it all the way down until it gets down to like a, you know, a really pretty small size. And then what it'll do is it will generate a source set image for you that will be dropped on the page where you put like, if you pass in one of your media objects to the front end view and then you just say like media it's too string apparently renders out this image source set. And not only that, but it also provides an SVG blurred version of the image to be shown during the loading state. Magic. It's magic. F- it's unbelievable. And then so like <laughs> if you start out really small and then you sh- he shows it like scaling the screen large, it will load up the progressively larger images. It's just it's insane. So if you need responsive images, if you have to handle that anywhere, do this. Use the media library package. It's really, really awesome. Nice. Uh, I Jason think there Fried- was a, a bit of reservation around like that source set stuff because it wasn't very well supported, but it looks like it works in everything. Well, I mean, it doesn't work in IE 11, but IE 11 is not supported anyway. So yeah, now is a good a time as any to use those source sets, I guess. Yep. Um, Jason Freed, he talked, Jason Freed and Jocelyn Glee, 
uh, both kind of talked about. So Jason Fried talked about it more at like a high or sort of company level, like some of the concepts that they follow and kind of how they organize their sprints. Uh, and it was a really good question and answer time. I'd suggest taking a look at that one. Jocelyn Glee was on the second day. I think her talk was called Hurry Up and Slow Down. Mm-hmm. Uh, hurry Slowly. Hurry Slowly. Hurry Slowly. And, yeah, yeah, she just talks about pacing yourself and helping you to be, you know, helping, basically uh, healthy, healthy work. Uh, she talked a lot about email and how we really prioritize the use of email. And she was like saying mm. basically one in five emails is important. So like if you pretend like four out of every five, one of your emails is like a total waste of your time. Um, you know, you can rip through that email pretty quick. Minimizing distractions was yep. a big thing saying no. So she was, that was an excellent talk. So her and Jason, uh, Freed kind of went along the same lines there. Uh, Samantha Geitz talked about testing with Jest, which was interesting. I would suggest that, uh, Jason McCreary talked through using, uh, he basically, so he's been using Laravel shift or running Laravel shift for like the last, what, five years, four years, three, three years, four years. Three years? Yeah. yeah. And so he looked at all the stats that he's gathered over those and, and basically made recommendations for how she, people should uh, treat their code bases in Laravel. Evan, you talked about using the new Vue CLI 3 tool in conjunction with Laravel and all the amazing stuff it offers. I would say if you are after getting like a progressive web app or a single page app and you're looking to only use Laravel as your back end, this is a great talk for you to watch. Taylor then talked about Nova and we'll come back to that. And I don't really, know, I don't really know if I want to go through all the rest of them, other than to say TJ Miller is amazing, great job TJ on your APIs. <laughs> Caleb Porzio was freaking hilarious and talked about basically deviewing all of your front end stuff, not deviewing, not not using Vue, just using the correct pieces and making it a lot simpler. Colin DeCarlo from Vehicle is always hilarious as well. He had a really great one talking about patterns, like using design patterns in Laravel in a couple spots. Uh, Wes Boss talked about grids. Uh, Ryan Holiday talked about. He was just really inspiring, creating things that last. Matt Stauffer talked about a lot of uh, different patterns as well, but he was talking about patterns that pay off. So not design patterns, but design patterns that we don't think about. Uh, again, they're, they're all good. They're all really, really good. I took a ton of notes in his talk. So he talked about architectural patterns, refactoring patterns, et cetera, et cetera. So nice. uh, there was a lot of it. There was a lot of it. So I hate to uh, oh, yeah. ramble on like that, but of course, I don't know. man, they're all good. I, I missed I missed all of you folks this year. I had uh, I was I was in Chicago around this time last year. So Facebook started doing the old, hey, one year ago you were and started showing me all these photos, which I was really unappreciative of. <laughs> yeah, it's like darn so, you, Facebook. You're so was, insensitive. I, I was yeah sitting here freezing in our in our winter. So I do look forward to to seeing the videos. I hope they're not too far off. I know that. Uh, the folks over at Stream, because I'm pretty sure the folks at StreamerCon still recorded. They just didn't. They obviously didn't live stream, but they they turned Taylor's talk around really quickly, and and that looked really well produced. So, I look forward to seeing the the rest. I'll I'll chew through them over a, a period of time and digest. Hopefully, I'll be in a position to attend next year wherever Laracon happens to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you have time to talk about Laravel Nova? Let's do it. Let's get through. Okay. It. All right. So, first impressions. What do you think? Were you surprised? I I had a rough idea of what it was and I had spoken to Taylor about it. And so he had sort of semi-confirmed what I had sort of thought it was. So you weren't so totally I taken not, by a surprise, yeah. I wasn't, I mean, I was certainly surprised by what it was and how feature-packed it was and how good it looked. It was like, it, I, I had it down as like a component-based system that you could just like, pull different pieces in but this was far and away much more comprehensive than what i thought it was going to be yeah i totally agree i'm trying to think so the things that were amazing to me so like he showed the very first things he's showing off was like create read edit update you know all that stuff right which is good you know of course you'd expect any sort of like admin panel thing to to do that the things that i thought were really interesting was that there is so much support for all of the relationship types that you have in laravel Mm -hmm. that's extremely difficult to do in a yeah. sane way. I loved that the that everything is reflected across the board. So like you set it up for one resource and that's the idea too is like you set it up in a in a resource in a Nova resource class. Right? And it's reflected everywhere, which is really cool. So you have a um 
you have something that's set up for a user and that follows the user. Any any context that you would see a user in is going to have all the information that you kind of set up in that Nova class about that user uh, or all the abilities that you set up with that user. So that, that was really incredible that it's got support for every single relation type in Laravel inside of Nova. That was pretty neat. Hmm. It certainly makes it easy to piece everything together. And then, yeah, as you say, the resources and how everything... Like if you if you think of the API resources that were introduced in Laravel 5.5, this is like a next level version of that, that like bolts on all this extra functionality. And a lot of it just comes down to like applying a trait or or just, you know, implementing a specific interface or extending a specific base class. And you get all of this functionality, um, you know, especially around managing resources. And then you've got actions and, and destructive actions and things like that as well, which are, are really good. But some of the other stuff, like lenses, I keep coming back to lenses and going. I don't, I don't know how they came up for the name for that, but just the concept behind it and providing like advanced query scopes and things like that. The the fact that it's all configuration based, that you can all like just push some PHP code and it's done, as opposed to like weird database structure stuff that just sits in a database that you can't easily manage. Uh, I think right. is really cool, and and like I think Horizon showed. And even Spark, to to some extent, showed that developing these kind of things based on configuration files is a really powerful way of going about things in a in a sort of extensible way that you can just go through and, and make changes as you need them. And it's something that I've kind of implemented in a few places at work where rather than creating a new database table to store a handful of values, I'll just put like an array inside a config file in, in my application and, and deal with things that way. So... Yeah, it's, it's just amazing how, it just just from seeing the presentation, how much, like he, it was a one-hour talk slot that went for just just a touch over an hour and a half and going through everything and how it hit on all of all of the finer points around, you know, not only the queries but managing the resources, managing actions and filters and lenses and, and the metrics that come out, like that you can just display these cards in your application. Um, was really cool and then it all just ties in with your existing authorization structure so the fact that it works with all of your existing models without having to do anything like weird because it's you know it uses those resources and it sits on top of your existing models means it'd be really easy to just drop it into pretty much most of your applications just by extending some classes and and adding these resources in there because i know for one like building a, a front end sort of like the, the user facing side of things is generally pretty good. And then I always dread having to go and reimplement that same cruddy stuff in the back end. Yeah. Well, that's, it's, um, I was thinking through like, okay, all the, all the requests I've had for, for changes and things like that in the last couple months. And then I've been trying to think like, okay, which ones of these could I've implemented in Nova, man, I tell you what, I'm kind of hard pressed to find one of them that was like, well, I mean, most of them, uh, maybe I couldn't do directly in Nova because of the kind of architecture I already have in place. But pretty much anything, if Nova was already there, I would have been able to just be like, yep, there we go. Boop, done. I mean, it's yeah, done. It's just incredibly powerful because there's so many of these things that people are asking for on a regular basis. But the big problem that I have a lot of times is how do I display this to the user in a sane way, right? Yep. How do I display all these different types of filters that that these people are wanting on this data. Right? How do I do that? How do I how do I give them the ability to take actions on multiple users or on multiple resources mm-hmm. of the same type? Or how do I allow them to edit these edit these actions over here? And so and, and you just kind of have to think through like the flow of like okay, how does that make sense to the user and whatever? And so I think it's like it gives me as the developer the superpowers because all I have to do is write the code to make certain little things happen and it it builds the ui for me everywhere yeah right down to the little granular pieces and this is where something i was like okay they totally sweat every detail because when you have yeah. a permission you added a permission where you said hey they can't edit user six and you look on the dashboard and the pencil icon is gone like wait a second so they didn't just say click the edit icon and it says no you can't do that it actually makes the action itself like disappear you can't yeah disappear do it i was like whoa and so it'll do that across you know multiple users or all users or whatever and it's the same thing with any of the filters any of the actions those same sort of permissions apply 
it's just incredible how it does that for you. Like, cause that, that's a mm. big hurdle, right? Like how do you lock yeah. down certain sets of people to only be able to perform certain sets of actions? And so not only can you use this to kind of build an admin UI for you, right? It can be for any client they're handing this off to, but man alive, honestly, you could use this to build out a front end. If you're built, if what you're building is sort of like mm. a CRUD app anyway, right? You could totally use Nova to build the front end for, for outward facing users. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's an incredibly powerful tool. And I think for like $200 being the top end price of this thing, it's a, yeah. it's an incredible value. Well, think how much time that's going to save you realistically. Oh, yeah. Like all of the stuff that it's going to do for you. And it, there are other things out there, but number one, it's a good way to support Taylor. It's a good way to support Steve and to support David for the excellent work that they've done. It's It's clear that the time that they've spent on it has been like well thought out time that they've as you say they've sweat the little stuff they've they've thought about so many things will it will it have missing pieces sure uh, because at the end of the day it's it's three people that have been trying to cover like an unlimited number of use cases and i think things will come up over time and they'll be addressed but i think taylor has shown time and time again that he really gets the developer experience part of programming and that he really you know, knows how to make it fun for us and and covers off all of these things that, you know, you don't want to redo it every time. So if if nothing else, this is going to be a treasure, an absolute treasure trove of like view components, reusable view components, reusable, you know, resources and controllers. Like just seeing how Taylor writes code is worth the price of admission, in my opinion. Here's the other thing about that, kind of how you said it's going to be missing pieces. Like, I don't disagree that that might be true. You can't you can't appeal to every single audience. But the crazy thing that they did really well is, you know, some people are complaining like, this is closed source. Like, I don't get to see the source code. It's not extensible, whatever. It's like, well, no, it's literally like, you can do whatever you wanted to. It, you, it's, you PHP. Can ex- <laughs> it's PHP. And, and not only that, right? But it's not like if you had an idea, You'd have to get it pulled into the, to the core. Like they give you the ability to create custom plugins, custom cards, custom uh, custom everything. Like there's like all sorts of customizability yeah. built right in. So if you want a new feature, you just build it. And it, it, it's not like yep. you're hacking the thing. Like it's literally built to accept that or to allow you yeah. to extend it. So you don't have to submit a pull request and wait for it to get pulled in. You just make it. And I know they put a ton of time and a ton of thought into that, the ability to be able to extend it and to be able to use it for whatever you need to. I really think there's going to be a huge market out there for people developing plugins for Nova, to be honest. Yeah. I think, I mean, so think about it on the sidebar. Like if you had like that media library, if Spots, Spotsy made one, right? It's like, hey, manage all your media here. Or like, or like if you pulled Horizon in, like if you had on your dashboard there the ability to view Horizon and all your failed jobs and all those jobs and stuff in there as well. I mean, there's just yeah. so many... There's so many possibilities for what you could do to extend this thing or to to make it better. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. I know that I know that Taylor mentioned that he's going to be using this for Forge. I I don't know what chance there is of actually seeing that, but it would be very interesting to see how it's being used in a like in a production application already. So if you hear this, Taylor, I'd love to see it. <laughs> I don't know what the chances are of seeing what the the backside of of Forge looks like, but I think that would be a, a really good series of videos for you to be back back with on Laracast. Absolutely. So this is going to be launching uh the end is it the end of next month or is the end of this month? End of well, August. I mean he said August, so that's like two days from now. So TikTok. <laughs> that's right. I I know I know that they're they're spending time writing documentation and you know history has shown that the documentation is as good as as the code that it's documenting. So we'll uh we look forward to getting our hands on that. So yeah, as as you said, two hundred. So it's, I think it's ninety nine. Uh, it's ninety nine dollars for it's per site. So ninety nine dollars per site. It's not a subscription. So it's ninety nine dollars per site. I think the the marker is if the revenue for the project is under twenty thousand dollars, and anything above that is one ninety nine. I know I saw somewhere. I think it was on Reddit or on Twitter that the Taylor was toying with the idea of like an agency like flat fee and you can use it for unlimited number of sites or you know some number of sites uh, he he hadn't settled on what that price looked like so that may be something that comes in the future as well i mean those are the people who stand to i mean i know they stand to pay the most but they also stand to gain the most you know what yeah, i mean like absolutely. I, I don't know like, yeah well think of all the time you save just exactly. by dropping it in there and and how much you could charge for it 
like I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. At I that mean, point, it like becomes pure profit. It does. I mean, at two hundred dollars, is pure profit. So I, I don't know. I mean, like we're not an agency, but man, I'm gonna be buying like probably I don't know fifteen twenty licenses. And uh, seriously, I mean, I'm gonna then. All right, all right, Mister Law Firm. Well, so here's the deal, man. All right, think about it. Like if you had, if you so even if you bought ten licenses, right? If you, that's like two grand. Yeah, your employer probably paid more for you. But to think go of the Laracon. time you're saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah. than they did to buy 10 licenses. So yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like the value that you get for that expense. So yeah. I understand people balking at like, oh, I have to buy 20 licenses, four grand. Okay, yeah. But like yeah. how much revenue you're going to gain because you now have this new tool, it's it's quite yeah. incredible. So And anyway, like that's money know. you were going to charge your client anyway. So yeah. So I, I anyway, can't speak for anybody else's. Yeah, I can't speak for anybody else's personal like financial situation, but even, you know, yeah. At a hundred dollars is a crazy steal. Even at two hundred dollars, I feel like it's a really, really reasonable. Yeah. Um. So anyway. Anyway, yell at us on Twitter if you disagree. We uh, yeah, we are happy will. to have the discussion. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get some people yelling at us. So yeah, that's okay. That's okay. All right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening. This was episode sixty six. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com/podcast/slash sixty six. If you liked the show. Feel free to rate us up five to uh, five stars, five tunes in your star catcher of choice, five stars <laughs> in your pod catcher of choice. That'd be really appreciated. If you didn't like the show, we would like to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter. Fight with Michael. He likes a good fight. These Aussies, you know, they like a good fight every now and Let's then. Let's do it. So, I mean, you're all, you're all so far away from me. What are you going to do, really? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I did meet a couple Aussies there, though. So, I mean, at Ben was over there. He was. Did you he meet was the Tim? first. Tim was he, over there. I did meet Tim. He was a super cool guy. Ben was the first yeah. Aussie I saw this year. He was actually the first person I saw this year for for Lurkot. He's I hot to miss. Yeah, he was walking. Uh, I was walking by outside a bar. There's an open window, and I looked in. I saw Ben Corlett, and so I started yelling Aussie <laughs> slang in, in through the window to him. And he eventually and saw did me. Did he run out the back? Did he? <laughs> no. Did he go in the opposite direction? No, he didn't. He's he's too nice of a guy. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So where were we at? If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Ben, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. That's it for us. We'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah. See you. Bye. Bye.